Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Beyond Black History Month. I'm your host, Famie Redwood. I launched this show back in February because, frankly, I was sick of black stories only being told once a year, hence the name Beyond Black History Month. I remember talking to one of my friends about the launch, and of course I remember because this was like 10 months ago. (laughs) But anyway, he was like, I'm sick of Black History Month stuff because it's always the same old things. Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X. And all of those folks are important. In fact, I did do an episode about Harriet Tubman, but I totally got what he was saying. That's why this show is about all things black, not just the things they taught us about in fifth grade. From the ways specific issues and legislation will impact black communities, to the cultural moments important to black folks, and pieces of history buried away despite their relevance. And this team has covered it all. From the serious, like the Jackson water crisis, I have to put the water on my stove so I can wash my face, brush my teeth, take a bath. To the slightly absurd, because I do it for the culture, like the lace front wigs and House of Dragons. The wigs. Has anyone on set mentioned the wigs? Because we've been having a field day on social media. I like them. I think they're, I, it makes sense to me. Okay. But I have, <laughs> I'm going to go on them dragon and I'm going to examine this more. And yes, I said dragons. I know it's supposed to be the dragon, but really that title did not make sense. (laughs) That's a long way of saying I'm super proud of the work we've done, but we're going on holiday break. Me and the team are taking time off to restart for the new year. We've got amazing shows planned and we'll be back in January. So make sure you subscribe so you can see when new episodes drop. Until then, we've got a lot of past shows you can listen to, especially if you weren't following us from the start. One of my favorites was an episode about how the black hair care industry is massive and getting a lot of people rich, but few of those people are black. Here's a listen. There's a shared experience of having black hair. Many of us sat on the floor for hours, staring at the TV between a loved one's legs as they braided our hair. Or we spent Sunday afternoons bent over the kitchen sink so someone could wash our hair and straighten it for the week. Black hair can be a political statement, a statement of pride, or just a style. It is, however, a billion dollar industry. 
A 2021 Nielsen report found African Americans are 2.4 times more likely to buy hair products compared to other shoppers. In what's called the ethnic hair market, African Americans brought in more than 85% of the revenue. But black folks aren't reaping the financial rewards. Between beauty supply stores, distributors, and products, there were few black owners. Juxtapose that to America's first self-made millionaire. She was a black woman, and she made her money off hair. I'm clearly talking about Madam C.J. Walker. I spoke with her great-great-granddaughter and learned some things that the Netflix series left out. I dug into the discrimination black entrepreneurs face when trying to enter the hair care industry, and I connected with a black trade group that's working to make things more equitable. Another fave was an episode about why there are so few black players in baseball. Now, I am not a sports person, make no mistake, but this story was so dope because I got a chance to talk to a player from the Negro Leagues. There's an apartment complex in my neighborhood called Ebbets Field. It used to be a baseball stadium that was home to the Brooklyn Dodgers. Often when I walk past, I wonder what it must have been like to be a black child in 1947, hoping to catch a glance or hear the play of Jackie Robinson, who's credited with being the first black man to play on a major league baseball team. His first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers was April 11th, 1947, where he rocked the number 42 on his jersey. After him, more and more black players joined the league. But 75 years later, MLB still has a race problem. At first, the number of black players increased. In 1981, according to the Society for American Baseball Research, 18.7% of MLB players were African American. Today, that number is closer to 7%. Let's start at the beginning at the Negro Leagues. The Negro Leagues were where mostly African-Americans, but some Afro-Latinos, could play professional baseball because obviously major league teams weren't always integrated. Another amazing episode was one about black dolls. Whether you call it a doll or an action figure, it's only been in recent years where parents could go to almost any store and likely find one that looks like their child. While G.I. Joe's first black action soldier came out in 1965 and Mattel's first black Barbie came out in 67, black dolls were few and far between at most stores. Despite the lack of representation on the retail side, these symbols of childhood have played incredible roles throughout time. During the antebellum period, they were used to help fight against slavery. And later, during Jim Crow, they were used to help end school segregation. Today, black dolls empower black children who see themselves in their toys. And black handcrafted dolls bring a much-needed inclusivity into the art world. But black dolls also carry a paradoxical existence, like the ways they were used to reinforce the harmful mammy stereotype, a relic from Old South nostalgia that still exists today. To fully understand, we begin at the New York Historical Society Museum. From dolls, we go to sperm. 
clearly I have a lot of favorite episodes, but this was one of the more recent ones that looked at the shortage of black sperm donors and how that especially hurts black lesbian and queer couples. The majority of cryobank customers are lesbian or queer, followed by single mothers by choice and straight cis couples. And while there's a shortage of POC sperm across the board, black sperm tends to be the rarest, between 3 to 5% of what's available at banks. Here's an example one cryobank gave me on just how fast their sperm sells out on its online database. All of the donors were educated, tall, athletic, and attractive. Donor one who is white, it took him three weeks for his sperm to completely sell out. Donor two is half black, a quarter white, and a quarter Puerto Rican. It took him less than an hour to sell out. Donor three is black. He sold out in minutes. This shortage pushes people to look for sperm elsewhere, like Facebook. There are tons of online groups connecting sperm donors to recipients. Many of these donors are willing to give their sperm away for free, but then there are those who require what's called natural insemination, as in you can have my sperm through unprotected sex. These options can be dangerous. They can also cause massive legal issues around parental rights and child support, even when there's a contract. Okay, this next episode is legit a favorite, and I know I keep saying that, and not just because the audio engineer is serving Marvin Gaye vibes in the intro, but because it explores the love and commitment built into Juneteenth. I'm going to tell you a story that is both a drama and a love story. It's the story of Juneteenth. I know, I know, I know, stories about slavery are usually depressing, and if you're like me, they make you angry. But the story I'm going to tell you about Juneteenth highlights a humanity about black folks often missed in historical narratives. From a husband loving a wife so much, he returned to slavery just to be with her. To defying danger for freedom and to turning an unwanted swamp into a prosperous city. Join me, Femi Redwood, in a very special episode of Beyond Black History Month. The journey to Juneteenth. We begin in September of 1862, the middle of the Civil War. That's when President Abraham Lincoln issued the preliminary Emancipation Proclamation. He said if the Confederacy didn't end the war and rejoin the Union by January, all enslaved people in those states would be freed. Well, the South didn't stop fighting, nor did the enslavers tell black folks the president gave them freedom. It's not like enslavers wanted to end the free labor that made them rich. And last but not least, still on the subject of Juneteenth, this episode highlights the resilience of African Americans. I've been thinking a lot about the Juneteenth celebrations that happened during those first few years after slavery ended. Those joyous times, people singing, friends chatting, and parents watching their children play games, hopeful for the future. Then it hit me. 
What about those moms who didn't have their children because they were ripped away and sold during slavery? Were they celebrating on Juneteenth? The husband who hadn't hugged his wife in years, or the teenager who hadn't seen his mom in so long he can't remember her face? How do you celebrate when the person you most want to be with is somewhere in this world, but who knows where, and there's virtually no resources to find them? This is the story of how black families never gave up hope they would reconnect, and how ink, paper, and the pulpit put their families back together. Again, clearly I have a lot of favorites, but we did a really good job and I'm proud of my team. Needless to say, I am so excited for you to hear what we have in store for 2023. Now, if something crazy pops off that especially impacts Black folks, we will pause our holiday break and return. But hopefully it will be a chill two months. That said, thanks so much for listening to Beyond Black History Month. Beyond Black History Month is a special production of 1010 Wins and WCBS News Radio 880. Special thanks to our producers, Jill Webb, Dempsey Pullot, and our audio engineer, Andy Egan Thorpe. And I'm your host, Femi Redwood. I'll see you next year. Happy holidays, including Kwanzaa. <laughs>